Mr. McKay, and he does a phenomenal job, obviously, with uh, Lisk, the Long Island Syrian Killers, in his series on Wednesdays. You can hear him every day. Right here on LI News Radio, beginning at 11 o'clock. And Frank's uh, nice enough to join us here on this early MLK day. Frank, uh, great having you. News over the weekend uh, regarding the court appearance by Rex Yorman, as far as Rivhead is concerned, and that for the indictment, it seems, of Maureen Brainerd Barnes. That rounds out the Gilgo Four. Very happy new year to you, sir. And uh, give me your thoughts. Well, how Happy New Year to you, too, and all the Yeah, Brainerd Barnes, uh, Maureen Brainerd Barnes, we, uh, I guess we always knew this was going to happen. It was just a matter of when, and it separated, it, well, the, the murder victim was separated from the other three just temporarily while they got all their ducks in a row. When I say they, I mean Ray Tierney and the uh, and the crew over there. This is, uh, you know, it's really no surprise, but it does, it piles on to Rex Hewerman. And I personally wouldn't be surprised if more are coming. Uh, not necessarily those that we're thinking about or others that are involved in the quote-unquote Yogo murders, but don't be shocked if other things are happening. I'm still hearing in Sumter County, South Carolina, that something is uh, going on down there, and Lee County and Calhoun County, all three of them kind of connect. But in and around those areas, apparently Rex Hewerman has spent some time, and they are looking at Rex Hewerman as a potential murderer of some of the missing people down there. It's just, you know, until it happens, it doesn't happen. And I wouldn't be shocked if something is happening in and around uh, Las Vegas, but it just strengthens the case of Ray Tierney here in the Go-Go case. No question. No question about it. You're right. 100% Rex with property out there uh, down in South Carolina, of course, out west in Vegas. So we've all kind of heard possibilities and we'll see what happens as far as connecting the dots. He's been held without bail since his arrest in the summer. The killings of Meg Waterman, Louis Bartholomew, Emily Costello remains found of obviously around 13 years ago near Gilgo. And, you know, Frank, we go back to that day when the past, the then commissioner, Geraldine Hart, held up that belt back in uh, 2020 in January. And, uh, you know, we kind of got a glimpse of things to happen, although, you know, Tim Sini was then in charge as far as DA, never gave you a lot. Different story now with Ray Tinney at the controls. But, you know, you and I spoke extensively regarding that belt, WHHM, what could it mean, who knows. Uh, but all in all, you know, you had confidence that this linkage which was, you know, this very distinctive belt embossed with those initials uh, that, uh, you know, you had confidence that Ray Tanny uh, would link somewhere as far as uh, not only the woman, but that, and it all looks like right now, Rex Yerman. Yeah. I it, personally, with the, uh, with the belt, the one thing that I, uh, that I was, scoffing at when Geraldine Hart held it up. And it's not against her. She was kind of following orders from the DA. Yeah. Uh, this thing from the start has been a DA-driven um, investigation. And, and Cinny, uh, you bring it up all the time. He, he pointed out that uh, that he's not even involved in the, the uh, investigation, investigation. At, uh, at one point while he was DA, which was crazy. But the the interesting thing about the, the belt, and you know, I kind of mocked it because he held it up and he was like, asking the public, uh, do you know who this belongs to? First of all, that belt was found immediately, as soon as the bodies were found. it was I, I believe it was found uh, wrapped around a Maureen Brainerd uh, bond, and that, uh, that, that's going to, you know, that'll come out as being proof positive. So it's not like Tim Sinney or his administration found that belt. That was found immediately. That was Correct. found as soon as the investigation, uh, uh, you know, took off. And he he held it up as if it was he meaning Tim Sinney, uh, held it up as if it was some kind of new piece of evidence that he found 
And I thought that was ridiculous. Uh, and the, you know, the idea that, well, is there DNA on it? Is there, uh, is there a fingerprint on it? Why are you asking us, the public? And then when we did send in some questions uh, or some, uh, some possible thoughts, uh, you know, nobody, nobody got back to anybody. It was clearly a, a red herring and uh, the clearest form of a, of a red herring. And it was done about a week before John Ray got the Shannon uh, Gilbert um, tape um, uncovered by the appellate division. So it was designed to distract from there. Prior to that, Tim Tinney did nothing. As soon as he, uh, Tim Tinney, uh, heard that it was going to happen and his, his people on the appeals uh, bureau from his end uh, told them, yeah, it's going to get overturned and you're going you're gonna to hear uh, Shannon Gilbert on the 911 call, he figured he had to do something and he distracted everybody with this, you know, slide of hand, very balloon like what he did very, you know, and that's his teacher. Uh, and it was just, it was ridiculous of how he did it. He wasn't doing it to, to try to solve something. Uh, he was clearly doing it to distract from what was about to happen. And that was the, uh, that was the tape, which by the way, ultimately may have nothing to do with the case when, uh, when all is said and done. But, uh, at the at the end of the day, uh, Tim Sinney was uh, duplicitous with how he handled the whole situation of the belt. Finally, we have somebody in there and and Ray Tierney that we could trust that uh, that whatever evidence is coming out from that belt is accurate. Yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, and that was uh, you know that was the case. Uh, it's over with Frank McKay. Of course, you got to listen, uh, especially on Wednesdays. Frank does a great show, obviously uh, during the week eleven to twelve here on LA News. But Wednesdays, the focus in on the Gilgo investigation, all that's going about it. Uh, nobody does it uh, more extensively than Mr. McKay, I'll tell you that much. And I'll tell you, Frank, there is still some questions. You always have questions regarding the guy who is incarcerated, John Biltroth, uh, for the murders of Rita Tengretti and Cindy McNamara. Uh, and there was some all kinds of buzz going on between maybe a linkage between him and, and Yorman and everything else. But, you know, I've stated this. You never know what goes on in these types of investigations. I still think there's plenty of twists, plenty of turns, especially search as far as the killer of Shannon Gilbert, uh, that infamous phone call, the running away from that house, Peter Hackett, who's no longer on Long Island anymore, now in Florida. So many questions. The one thing I do know is that it is being handled the proper way as far as from an investigative standpoint. But the, the Gilbert thing just fascinates me, you know? You know, the uh, the phone call, the resident there in Hackett, Shannon's mother, Mary, the claim regarding it taking her to a halfway house, you know, this the missing woman's sisters went to visit him. You know, there's so much going on there with the Gilbert family. And and that'll be a very interesting component uh, when that piece of the puzzle is in play. Yeah, it, it, certainly, uh, it, it certainly is intriguing. It's what got us thinking about Gilgo. I mean, it was the search for Shannon Gilbert that led to the, uh, the, the grisly discoveries of these, uh, these bodies and um, – uh, you know the the main thing is that there's some closure for at least now four of uh, of these women's family and uh, Maureen Brainerd Barnes uh, will be the uh, you know complete that Gilgo four quartet uh, and there's very uh, you know the terrible uh, you know we forget how terrible this all is but we'll uh, we'll we'll complete the Gilgo four with uh, the uh, the indictment of Rex Hewerman on this uh, on this fourth killing. Uh, the one thing I want to point out to every everyone too is uh, he, his wife uh, Acer Ellerip. Yeah. Uh, it, you know she 
appeared in the very beginning like she could she could possibly be a sympathetic figure that went out the, that went out the window when yeah. um, when Bob Macedonia cut a, a, a million dollar deal uh, for her and I like Bob a lot you know and don't get me wrong but uh, no more sympathy towards Asa Ellerith uh, and I, there's currently a movement uh, afoot now and I don't know at what stage it is but uh, to ex- uh, expand the son of Sam laws that is uh, that will allow the victims' families to sue Asa Ellerip to get that money. Now, the other thing that I think that that deal does with with Peacock, um, you know, she's made seven digits, or she's making seven digits off of um, you know, off of the the uh, documentary that she's promised to make, the reality show, whatever that she's uh, she's about to make. Um, the problem with that is, uh, from Mike Brown's standpoint, Mike Brown being the defense attorney for uh, Rex Heuerman, um there's there's no way there's no way that she's going to get an ounce of sympathy, and this jury is going to look at at Heuerman, who is supported fully by Ella. I mean, Ella is is not speaking out against her husband. She'll she'll be there uh, for this next indictment, and you know who knows if if she changes her tune at all. But at this point. Uh, no one on that jury, those 12 people, uh, no one uh, is going to have sympathy for her or Hewerman. If anything, it's going to be anger. And uh, and by her making the deal with Peacock and, and you know, cashing in on these grisly uh, deaths, uh, I think it just helps Ray, Ray Tierney for this and, and hurts Mike Brown to significantly. And, I, and we're talking with Frank McKay, folks, regarding uh, Rex Yerman will be in court tomorrow in Riverhead regarding the death, the killing of uh, Maureen Brennan Barnes, pretty much rounding out the Google before. But I always have a question regarding Jimmy Burke, the former chief of the police department, Frank. You, I know you do as well. Uh, this was a guy who obviously was in hot water eight years ago. Uh, a lot of accusations, keeping the FBI at arm's length. From the investigation, you know, brought to justice, you know, the assaulting of the the handcuffed suspect there, Christopher Loeb, trying to cover it up. We know what happened there. But, uh, you know, there's still a lot of questions with Burke as far as how he handled everything. Uh, You know, plenty of interest, plenty of interest. And, you know, the sabotaging of the investigation, the cover of his cover really up his, uh, his own illicit behavior. Uh, whether that was for indulging in sex workers, drug use, whatever it was. I mean, there is some sort of a situation there that I'm very, very curious about. Yeah, it's it's the big question, and it's been the big question from day one. Uh, you know, let's not forget that the uh, the outgoing or the former, now the former county executive, appointed Jimmy Burke, yeah. and uh, he did it as soon as he was uh, he was sworn into office. He being uh, Steve Ballone. And then he immediately puts in Jimmy Burke, and all of us were shocked. Uh, even those of us, including myself, who, who was fond of Jimmy Burke, you know, he was a uh, he, he's a uh, you know a character that uh, we didn't know all that much about. Uh, we just knew uh, we knew he was uh, um, uh, he was accessible, and uh, and he seemed like the type that would you know, call him two o'clock in the morning and ask him for a favor, and no matter what it was, probably Jimmy Burke would would give it to you. But uh, as soon as we started realizing all the different, uh, all the different maneuvers that uh, he was involved in and all the sex workers that he is involved with, um, I, you, you wonder why Steve Ballone appointed this, uh, this individual. And uh, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be, um, 
because uh, it, it, they wanted the FBI out because they were they were involved in a lot of uh, a, a lot of sex workers and in their own parties and these private parties that were going on. Not that anybody got killed, uh, but I would not be shocked. I would not be shocked if if some of the uh, Gilgo, uh, one or more of the Gilgo uh, uh, murder victims, uh, had attended a party that uh, that those characters uh, had been uh, to. And again, uh, not that they were uh, not that they were killed at those parties, or not that anybody at those parties had killed uh, those uh, those victims. But the fact that uh, that if Steve Ballone and or Jimmy Burke was involved in a party, a sex party or whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to name it, uh, that, uh, that eventually brought or, or originally brought um, a murder victim that got killed by Hewerman or, or somebody else with some of these others, uh, other victims. Uh, if that ever happened, Steve Ballone never would have gotten reelected. So he knew that and Jimmy Burke knew that and, and they wanted that, uh, that fact that they could have been involved. Uh, in uh, in parties that uh, any of these women attended, um, they desperately wanted those to stay out. But we're going to find that out, and we're going to find out proof positive what happened with any of those theories uh, as soon as uh, as soon as this goes to trial. Yeah, no question. And there's still a lot of questions. You know, let's not forget. You know, a name you don't hear a lot about, Frank, and that's James Bissett. Uh, you know, the co-owner of that Long Island nursery, uh, you know, he seemed to kind of fit the bill quite conveniently, at least, you know, some of the local whispers way back. He was a wealthy guy, fit the theories of investigators about a financially self-sufficient killer, a company, a major burlap supplier, gave him a lot of access to some of the material the bodies were wrapped in. I mean, there are questions there. Uh, and you don't hear a lot about Bissett lately, but you never know what's going to happen in 2024, right? Yeah, no, no question about that. And you know, one of the things that was uh, extremely bizarre was that the fact that as those rumors were heating up, heating up, um, Tom's photo came out and made a statement that the killer was not Bissett, and which was bizarre because they didn't have a killer, and uh, that just made uh, made the whole thing look very, very suspicious. And if there was um, if there was any doubt about Jimmy Bissett before that, it was magnified, and when Tom's photo threw. Uh, threw gasoline on that uh, again i don't know what his uh what his guilt and anything uh would be as far as jimmy bissett goes but uh but for some reason tom spoda who originally brought in and uh mentored jimmy burke um they wanted that information out there that jimmy uh jimmy bissett was not the uh the murderer they wanted to get that out there and it was just like i said it was bizarre that that would uh that would even be uh in question when there was an unsolved murder in the, in the middle of it. They didn't say it's not him because we have uh, Rex Hewerman or we have a we have a killer. They just said that it wasn't Bissett, and uh, it, it was just very curious that all of that happened. Uh, the whole thing has been been curious from, from day one, and Mike Brown, the defense attorney, he's going to utilize all of this, and unfortunately um, he's going to find, you know, he's going to try to find one, I keep saying, one imbecile on the uh, on that that uh, jury um, and convince them, well, since uh, since there's all these questions, shouldn't we let Rex Hewerman go? And the answer is no, uh, Rex Hewerman's being tied to these four, uh, being uh, tied to these four, and uh, Tierney and his crew are going to uh, are going to tie them uh, with with precision, and I'm sure a, a perfect case they're going to lay out. Um, he just needs to, to create some kind of doubt in one person's mind that 
uh, there is a cover-up for Burke, or there is a cover-up for Bissett, or something along those lines, or some, somebody related to a cop, or, or to Spoda, or to Ballone. And, uh, and if you can get that going, get that going enough, where uh, he could so- somehow, in one person's mind, exonerate Rex Hewerman, then he's at a home run, and he'll hang this jury. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, and I think uh, Hewerman's wife, uh, Asa uh, Ellerip, uh, she's uh, assuring with uh, with these you know million dollar deals uh, on on Peacock and so forth. I think she's assuring that there's not going to be uh, any sympathy whatsoever and any doubt um, in anybody's mind that uh, that there's guilt there. And and I, I don't think anyone's going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, listen, that's an excellent point. I'll tell you the one thing that you feel good about is the guy who's leading the the way. The guy will be in the courtroom taking the ring. You know, a guy who has. Uh, certainly uh, dotted I's and cross T's to get where this investigation is. I mean, you have to have confidence in Ray Tanny kind of leading the charge and to kind of uh, eradicate that thought process uh, as far as Mike Brown. It's an excellent point in your end. Uh, and that's what Brown is banking on. You know, you're banking on the system. You're banking on one individual. Uh, when they get into deliberations, uh, that will set forth uh, a little doubt, a little negativity. It's all it takes, Frank. But the way I believe it'll be uh, panned out and uh, and put into play is how Ray Tinney will kind of go about his business when things get underway for real. Yeah, the trick is to is to convict uh, Hewerman, and uh, you convict him on on these four. Again, I think other bodies will be coming uh, forth, uh, and so other links are going to be uh, connected to. Rex Hewerman, but uh, I don't believe it's any of the other six victims that we've, you know, uh, come to know as as the ten victims or potential victims of Gilgo. Um, I think uh, we're going to uh, after this, and this is going to be his most complicated situation is to um, is to indict, not indict, but to uh, convict uh, Rex Hewerman. And once that's done, uh, I think all eyes are going to turn to uh, uh, to Bitrol. On, on maybe four others, and then you know there there could very well be a uh, um, a tie to a dead um, serial killer who was uh, who was caught, and uh, and there might even be some DNA connected to that. This is pure speculation on my part, but I think Hewerman, as far as the ten that we know of, the ten victims that were talked about, I think this uh, this indictment coming tomorrow on Maureen Brainerd Barnes uh, is going to complete that uh, that quartet of victims and. Um, and, and really set up uh, Hewerman for uh, for conviction. Don't be shocked if other names come in, but not related to uh, Gilgo. And uh, you know, I think Hewerman is uh, is is going to be convicted. Uh, and this is going to be his most complicated part of the case. After that, let's see what um, see what happens with the other six victims. But I, I don't think that they're going to be linked to Rex Hewerman in any way. Interesting. And uh, listen, uh, it should be an interesting day in Riverhead tomorrow. Uh, Frank in that courtroom. And we can't thank you enough. We'll be listening on Wednesdays. Tremendous job, folks. You haven't heard already regarding Frank's show on Wednesdays, which is solely dedicated to the list stuff. The Long Island serial killer and the investigation and all that goes about and the great work Frank does as far as 11 to 12 uh, in other parts, as far as uh, right here on L.A. News Radio. Uh, Frank, we'll be listening and watching, and uh, we look forward to having you on again. Uh, Jay, thank you very much.